0: Luke Inman in the captain's chair, filling in for Sam Ekstrom today. So it goes without saying, today's episode will be of the highest professionalism standards, and I expect the same from all my co-hosts today. Looking at you, Tom.
1: Uh, I'm Luke Braun. I'm with Locked On Vikings, and I'm going to get to the bottom of Meowgate.
0: Two Lukes,
2: one pod. I'm here for this.
3: (laughs) Hey, this is Arif Asad with Pro Football Network here to tell you the Vikings are frauds, the Giants are frauds,
0: We're all frauds. That's okay. It's the Minnesota football party. Right
3: on sports, Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota football party.
0: All right, guys, just because Sam's not here today doesn't mean we can just goof around. Okay, this isn't like the substitute teacher filling in like Ned Schneebly School of Rock. We can't just jam out for an hour. We got to get serious. It is playoff week. (laughs) But first, before we do that, I think it's important just to check in with everyone, touch in on the latest drama going on. Luke, Meowgate, what's the latest? Yeah, have you have All you right. figured it out? What, what is, is your investigation reveal? Let's give Tom and everybody oh. listening at home a quick fifteen second just overview <laughs> yeah. elevator pitch. What so is, is meowgate and what's going on?
1: Okay, so there is a TikTok out there of a girl basically saying they went on a date with a Vikings player and the Vikings player started meowing like a cat on the date. Normal, and, and well, like, here's were, the like, worst time part.
3: And she decided that this was bad and that she needed to leave. That's the that's right. crazy. You're not into what you're not into. Yeah,
1: that's whatever. She's a dog girl. Uh, All right. So obviously,
0: (laughs) the priority. Serious? Come on. Come on, guys. Five minutes in. Come on.
1: (laughs) So obviously, the priority for this week in terms of Vikings media coverage has to be figuring out who meowed on a date. Yeah, Tom,
0: you're there. And what's the clues here, right? Somebody said, well, she went to LSU, and then it was Iowa State. So we're kind of it's Iowa
1: State, ISU. Somebody just mistook the I for an L. Uh, Okay, she goes to (laughs) Iowa State, but she lives in Minnesota. Um, I don't think the
3: Iowa State thing matters. I don't. Yeah, I don't think so either.
0: It limits our options down to just Kenny, right? Like, there's only one Iowa yeah. State guy on the roster, anyways, right? LSU was intriguing <laughs> I because he got JJ that. Hunter, Ed Ingram. I think is Patrick Kenny Peterson's married obviously too? married, but yeah, yeah.
3: Oh, if Kenny's married, yeah, I'm out on yeah. that. We're not, yeah. we're not
0: making
1: these
3: accusations. No,
0: no, 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 <laughs> no. We're not there. Sam would not <laughs> no, allow. No, 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 no. Yeah.
1: We're not doing that, and we're not king shaming. Mm. Um, it, it, I so. Chris Boyd is an obvious candidate nick muse is an obvious yeah i heard okay, no, so nick so muse when you yeah. when
3: you when you said yeah. i need to find out who this is i was gonna tweet and respond to chris boyd and then i read the rest of your tweet or then i read your next tweet and it was like chris boyd obviously so I, like and then like three four people <laughs> also responded chris boyd so like we're all clearly on the same page on that i don't even know why i thought chris boyd it seems i mean i know why you thought chris boyd yeah I, he's I think chris I boyd. yeah it's chris <laughs> boyd
0: come on but the only thing I, is, so there's no I,
3: Dante Pettis on the roster. If Dante Pettis was on the roster, 100, he's be that guy, number one suspect.
1: A bunch of people in my mentions were like, "Oh yeah, I went to South Carolina. This is absolutely Nick Muse." And like several people had sentiments like that. So I think it's Nick oh, Muse. However, so who's your favorite? It's Morgan. Who? who, who is Nick who, Muse Vegas,
0: odds-on favorite. Give me your top two or three. Nick Muse, Muse, even money.
1: I would say Muse is like minus one. 150 at this point. Yeah. Okay, with yeah, Boyd yeah. like plus 200. Okay. And then Dark Horse. Louis seen posts on Instagram, mm. we're dumb meowing, it's time to roar. Oh,
0: wow! I, no, 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 sneaky wild mine. card, though. I think you do like you like it. think it's a
1: reference. I, I do think it's a reference. I don't yes, think that's exactly, but I, it's I think him, that
0: makes it I do less think likely. He's- Okay. That it's him. Too obvious. No, but okay. it's really funny. Too simple. <laughs> no, it's
3: incredibly funny. There's a critical part of the story, for sure. I,
0: yeah. I love the dots we're connecting here. All right. Sam's yeah. going to kill us. We got to move on. Joined as <laughs> usual, Arifasan, Pro Football Network, Vikings Insider on Twitter, at Arifasan NFL, Luke Braun, kid you copied off in math class, on Twitter, at Luke Braun. NFL and joined today by one of our favorites, Tommy Guns, aka Tom Schreier, co founder of Zone Coverage on Twitter at T 3 Before we jump into it, guys, remember follow Long Locked On Minnesota YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button, and on Twitter, give us a follow. It's at Locked On. M-I-N. And remember, we're a podcast, too, free and available, all platforms, Spotify, Apple, you name it, we got it. Tons of great choices over there, too. It's your one-stop shop with endless Vikings talk with local experts. Do us a favor, hit the subscribe button, and drop us a five-star review. Uh, speaking of YouTube, guys, every day I post a new poll over on the Lockdown Minnesota YouTube community page Earlier this week, I asked fans which player is the starting running back for the Vikings in 2023, Dalvin, Madison, Ken A, or do they draft or sign somebody in free agency? Here were the results, guys. Alexander Madison, the winner. And by the way, like 2,400 votes in this one. Got a lot of traction. 48% of the votes said Alexander Madison. He should be the starter. Dalvin in second, 34%. Ken a was last, 7%. Third place was draft, or sign somebody new in free no agency likes Ty Chandler, huh? Yeah. I didn't throw Ty tie up there just because he's the four string. Now I will say to your point Arif, reef, a lot of comments in there. A lot of people who commented said, Where's Ty Chandler? Ty Chandler should be in the. Are you, mix, are you only given like,
3: is it like Twitter where you only get like
0: four? You only options? get four options, okay, yeah. yeah. So I just figured, All right, I should throw a draft or free agency maybe in there that as makes an sense. option. That makes sense. Um, but again, to your point, a lot of people did comment and gave Ty Chandler some love. So we all saw the chart yesterday with the running back rankings and total rush yards over expected. Kind of depressing thing seeing Dalvin Cook dead last on the rankings. I mean, lower than Zeke and Najee Harris, Leonard Fournette. And if you just sat down this year, watched even a few Vikings games, you've kind of noticed Dalvin maybe not having the production just on like a down-to-down basis, like we're used to. In fact, he leads the entire league with runs for no gain or negative yardage. So you're kind of really banking on like, you know, getting that home run splash play from him every Sunday. But Luca Arif, I'm just really curious. And I think a lot of people want to know your opinion what's up with Dalvin this year is it the new scheme is it the offensive line maybe isn't blocking as well is it an injury thing we know he's playing with that shoulder harness most of the year if you had to point to just one thing what's going on with Dalvin when you flip on the tape Arif we'll start with you okay
3: uh, I'm going to say a couple of things one uh, the analytics nerds that talk about the uh, replaceability of running back production that you can just pop uh, in any quality running back and get similar production are overstating their case or differences in running back capability. They are largely schematic more than talent, mm-hmm. i.e. some running backs are better at outside zone, inside zone, etc. Two, they are still largely correct. This is why you don't pay running backs. And uh, third, the result, the, co- the, the consequence of that is that The only things that kind of you should only prioritize what might separate some running backs from each other. I Mm -hmm. think that Dalvin Cook is a better running back than Alexander Madison. I think that that is difficult to express as a running back, which is why you will have some years where running backs vastly underperform their previous capability or capacity for production. I think next year, if Dalvin Cook is the starter, which I fully expect. He will be fine in terms of uh, defense-adjusted yards above replacement or run rush yards over expected or whatever. I think he's a good running back. I think that mm-hmm. that kind of doesn't matter very much. I think that he plays very quickly. I think that sometimes he misses, uh, you know, the hole uh, in terms of you know. I, I don't think he has perfect vision at the first level. I think his vision at the second and third level is phenomenal. Um, but I think that you are paying for big plays for Dalvin, and that's what separates him from Alexander Madison. Um, I think that Madison is in situations that give him. A little bit more just in terms of um if you give somebody a run on fourth and one, uh, they're getting two yards or twenty yards. Like right. those are your options on fourth right. and one, right? And and Madison has just been put in situations where his running production uh is, is really going to stand out. But if you one for one replace Madison for Dalvin, I think you get fewer yards. Mm-hmm. Um I, I don't think it makes sense to say that you know Madison should be the starter. I like him a lot. I don't think he should be the starter.
0: No, good point. Luke, are you seeing anything, noticing anything specific that would maybe suggest why Dalvin struggled so much near or at the line of scrimmage, just in general this season?
1: I, I definitely think the shoulder injury affected his, uh, the way that he played, I think, was a little bit more conservative. It was a little bit more, I'll just kind of dive forward and take my yards a little less greedy. Right. Um. Dalvin Cook has always been, and part of what makes him good, in previous years is that he was a greedy running back that he would kind of try to bounce things out or he would really try to go for that extra make that extra guy miss or something like that and with the shoulder he wasn't really doing that um i think the thing that dalvin cook does that none of the other guys on the vikings do is he's really good in the open field at setting up um, like a safety that's yeah. coming down mm-hmm. at him yeah, or yeah, a D-back or somebody lane. that's coming vertical yeah. and essentially forcing them to be straight north-south, then cutting outside them. And they you call it like climb the staircase. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody else really does that on the Vikings. And that can turn well-blocked runs into explosive runs. But like Arif kind of said, that won't necessarily express itself statistically because there are enough of the other kind of garbage runs that aren't, perfectly blocked or that aren't um you know where you get hit in the backfield or whatever there's enough of that that just like populates the sample with a whole bunch of noise um so it's always going to be really difficult it's not going to be stable year to year and so on um which is i I think why it's it's got to be like a traits thing Mm -hmm. but here's the deal dalvin cook if cut next year saves almost eight million dollars i think that's the conversation that i don't think i know where I stand on that yet I got to think about if that is like what I would want to do but I don't think this is a do we start Alexander Madison I-, I think that that you got to look harder if that's the case but if we're having the offseason conversation mm-hmm of what to do at running back. I think that's a lot more interesting at the very least.
0: Certainly league. that plays a huge factor into things too. I think, yeah, 14, 15 million base and then dead million about six. So like you said, saves about eight this season per at clapped Dan on Twitter. He's last in yards per carry over expected. We talked about that tied for the league lead in fumbles loss with Alvin Kamara with four leads, the league in runs for no gain or loss third to last in total EPA PFF's got him as the 47th ranked running back. And, oh, yeah, as Luke kind of mentioned – fourth most expensive tailback in the NFL right now. And that's what the majority of comments on the poll were regarding was can you justify paying him all that money next year if that's the production you you're going to get or you if never this could. is the way things are trendy <laughs> right now. Yeah, right. Uh, that's why I wanted to ask you two though, if there's any hope that if they do run it back next year with him, is it in fact a scheme thing and maybe year two would look better and kind of ironic too, the one year he actually plays a full slate doesn't miss any time. Something we've been hoping for his entire career we find finally get it, and now the production is just not up to the standards or the bar. We kind of all set. Remember, every day I'm posting a new poll over on that Lockdown Minnesota YouTube community page. Go check it out. Hit that subscribe button so you never miss a beat. We're almost to 5,000 subscribers over there. Tell your friends. Help us get us to that latest milestone. Okay. Today, we're breaking out Ed Donatel's future with the team, the Vikings' offseason outlook and what Quasey could have up his sleeve, and, of course, a look at this Sunday's playoff game between the Vikings and Giants in the backyard at U.S. Bank Stadium, plus later we got gopher's legend ron johnson stopping by for a little around the horn action let's pay off the tease right out the gate guys ed donatel's defense dead last in the league we all know that it has its moments at times right timely turnovers late in games apparently pff has got the vikings as like the fourth best ranked defense or, or top five i think it's kind of hilarious but overall God. pretty, pretty weak sauce <laughs> i mean nobody's gonna argue that like the offense though like we all knew going in with a brand new scheme new coaches etc this could Could take a while. Gotta be patient. Should Ed Donatel's future be on thin ice from what you've seen? Or is this all part of the bigger plan? Are you confident year two will look far better with a full season under their belt? Because just like being a little bit better is probably not enough. I mean, you can only go up from dead last, so just improving isn't really saying much. Are you confident, though, they will be drastically better with a full year under their belt? So is this a lost cause, or would it be unwise to cut the cord this offseason knowing that that just means you'll have to wait another year then to adjust to a new scheme? Let's start with you, Luke. Thoughts on Ed Donatel's future?
1: I've always kind of been, like, firing him right now, I feel like just introduces the same problem next right. year. Right. Um, uh, unless you see somebody that you you would be really excited about having as your DC. Like if Brandon Staley gets fired and you're really, really into him, then okay, like go get your guy. But um, I don't. <laughs> G-G-Y-G. Uh, Gerard Mayo available. I, <laughs> who
3: is? Gerard Mayo. Let's go. The sure. Patriots linebackers coach, who's honestly their actual defensive coordinator. The
0: Patriots are like <laughs> top Next Vrabel. League. Mike Vrabel, 2.0. Let's go. Yeah. Get Let's
1: now. go right right back to uh, Belichick. Cover 7. Let's do it. Cool. Um, but like so many of the problems this year were it, caused by that transition and I do think it's worth criticizing Donatel and saying, hey, you probably could have gotten your players to transition a little bit more smoothly. It seems like they didn't pick this up as well as they have in you know, other teams in their first years. So I think that's a reasonable criticism and we can absolutely criticize Donatel but I just don't think replacing him solves any problems and it just Mm -hmm. introduces new ones. Like It's not necessarily about has the defense been bad enough to justify doing something about it. Of course, it has, but what you do about it needs to solve the problem and firing the defensive coordinator I don't think is the best way to go about it. Um, I think what they did from like the Colts game onward, trying to do more man coverage and stuff has been successful and I would be curious to see what changes of that nature they can make going into year two, what other stuff they can work in. Do they work in more of their cover three packages? They really don't go to that very often this year. Um, Do they work in more interesting stuff out of quarters and don't live in that cover six? Like, I think there's a lot of interesting places they can go with that with another offseason with players a little more comfortable, and I would be very curious to see that if you want to get rid of Donatel and bring in another Fangio guy, I guess I Mm. don't really care, Mm -hmm. Uh, but changing the scheme back to something else is just going to introduce the same problems and just put a big old speed bump in what you're trying to build to defensively.
0: No, a lot of good points there. Arif, does the majority of this all fall on Donatel? Or is there part of you that says he just doesn't have the players or talent to succeed in this system? His system might take an offseason or two to bring in and draft the right guys to fit his specific scheme. Like, Is there any specific starters you watch and just don't think will ever fit the scheme Donatel wants to run here?
3: Uh, first, I'd just love to say I really love all of the input that Tommy Guns is giving us. Uh, <laughs> I'm he's getting there. He's I'm warming up. I'm nodding. Yeah. Smiling. Yeah. He's a sponge. He's a sponge. <laughs> That's important. Uh, no, I, well, I, I do fundamentally disagree with Luke here. Um, I know that the that Luke has like a preference for having complete solutions on hand when when you kind of discuss these problems, i.e. if you fire Donatel, who do you replace him with? Then let's have that discussion. And I sympathize with that. But mm-hmm. I, I disagree with the premise because... Not everybody who's starting with a new defensive scheme ends up like 31st in points per drive. Like that's, it's not normal (laughs) to have a bad defense even with an entirely new scheme. I think that a new scheme um, can, uh, I think that you're not reintroducing a lot of the same problems. I think that the issues with Donatel are oriented with Donatel as a coach, not necessarily the scheme the Vikings run. They bring in somebody to run the same scheme. I'm probably fine, right? I think it's with him as a coach, and I think that there are a couple of problems here. One, um, first of all, he's not sticking up for his players. Remember when he was like, Daniil Hunter will get it," and Daniil yeah. Hunter was already in the middle of having this gotten is what it looks like, like eight guys. Weeks, this right? is what it's supposed uh, to look like. Second, uh, it took way too long to be more aggressive about blitzing and playing man coverage more often. I agree. Uh, that yeah. that yeah. was. Fun frustrating um uh, third uh you know it, the scheme at, at times was both too simple and too complex and by that i mean it was very simple for opposing offenses to dissect it because it didn't have a lot of checks um that allowed you to adapt to what offenses were doing with motion but it was too complex because camera dancer and camera bynum were making mistakes all the time and mm-hmm. i know that that Bynum does not make a ton of these mistakes in complex schemes necessarily. He didn't make those mistakes in Zimmer's scheme, right? Mm. And and Cameron Dantzler, you know, it's not that he was always a great corner or anything like that. In fact, his highs are even higher now than they were ever. Um, but, you know, I, I feel like he was making fewer blown coverage or busted coverage type mistakes in the previous game. It was a worse corner. I prefer the current Cameron Dantzler. But I think that if you're in a situation where offenses can easily diagnose and your defense has no idea what's going on, like if, the, if, if you're at a point where Eric Kendricks does not know what to do, it is almost right. 100% not Eric Kendricks' fault. Hmm. So that to me is coaching. It's not scheme. It's not execution. That to me is coaching. If you can't get a defense that has like two of the top six in total pressures uh, to get pressure, like what that, what are you doing? Right. So I think, um, obviously, firing a rep for the playoffs, that's not going to solve a problem. This is like an offseason conversation. Right. But, you know, I, I think that the issue is coaching. It's not scheme, it's not philosophy, it's not talent. I don't. I, Not to say the Vikings are extraordinarily talented, but the amount of talent that they have is underperforming the points that they're allowing and the yards that they're allowing and the first downs they're allowing. So certainly I think it's time to move on. I also expect that if they retain Donato, which I imagine they will, uh, I I certainly expect that if they do, the defense will get better just because it's kind of hard to Mm -hmm. get worse. But also just because I, I do think that some of those confusion issues will end up getting kind of ironed out but the worst place you can be is for the offense to know what you're doing and the defense to not know what you're doing that's yeah. the worst
1: yeah. Yeah. I- yeah i agree with that like you can absolutely rip donatel for all of that stuff i just don't necessarily and that's think atypical that him- if you brought in a random coordinator you'd be better that's eight. If difficult. you brought in a different Fangio coordinator, I wouldn't argue with it at all. Like a different okay. person in that same scheme. Okay, yeah, sure. sure. <clears throat>
0: Fine. Okay. I th- Tommy, the- closing arguments here. You kind of heard both sides of the coin there. Is there one way you lean towards Look, a little say- bit more? I'm just
3: saying, when Zimmer came in with a 31st ranked defense, mm-hmm. they yes. immediately yes. ranked like 16th. 15, Okay. 14. Like it is. From,
2: from, a, from a defensive coach, too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I mean, I think what O'Connell's going to have to do is he's going to have to learn um, really how it. do you handle things that he doesn't understand as well, right? The defense is one of them. I think the running game's the other one. If you bring someone in to, to help on that side. Um, with tell specifically, and I think this is what you're getting at, Braun, is that you can't have the shift they had uh, in the offseason leading into this season and then try something completely different. Um, I think my concern with Donatello is he loves the veterans, right? He talks a lot about Patrick Peterson and what Jordan Hicks does and, and all this stuff. And, um, A, the fact that he hasn't gotten through two big ones, right, Kendrickson and Hunter, if that's the case, um, and that he's going to have to train younger players, right? I assume that the defense at some point they're going to draft specifically for this scheme, so Kwesi has to do his part in that regard, and then Donatello will have to train them. If you're having trouble with Bynum, who successfully transferred from – a cornerback at Cal right to Zimmer's defense as a safety um, you're going to have trouble with other players who are less capable right like so um, that's my chief concern with Donatello every I think all those defensive guys and most coaches love their veterans he's not going to have these guys around for a very long time given their age he's going to have to train these young players in and he's going to have to do so effectively because the offense is already ready to go.
3: I, I just love having one of the best blitzing safeties of all time and playing them too hot the entire time.
0: Oh, you're driving me it. nuts, man. Twelve They're pass what if they, all season. You're driving phenomenal. me nuts. What if they
1: busted out like ten Harrison Smith blitzes in the playoffs Dude, and they were just saving if it? If it was all
0: a long game for
3: having in <laughs> oh, ideal God. defense in the they playoffs, busted all that out. would be very funny, but they also could have used the second or first seat. I'm just yeah. saying Nothing bad. <laughs> nothing bad has
0: ever happened on yeah, a Harrison yeah. Smith blitz. Nothing bad. Maybe Maybe it's not, you know, a positive or great play, but nothing bad has ever happened. if you can get somebody tweeting a gif at you, this is That's fine. For trouble. I'll I'll take it. Yeah, you <laughs> know, I mean both <laughs> you guys are right. Tom brought up a great point. Like there's gonna be a little bit of balance and mix here as far as like a lot of those core veterans are aging. Obviously, there's gonna be a little mix of the younger guys that are coming in. No second round pick this year, gonna be interesting to see what they do with the draft. But I think fans just point and say, Listen, Kendricks, Hunters, Zadarius, Harry, Pat P no reason that lineup should have the thirty second ranked defense. I I do think there's a lot of different factors. There's a lot of different layers to the whole puzzle. It isn't always just black and white, but at the end of the day, it is on Donatel to figure out the best ways to maximize his players' skill sets, even if it means adjusting the things he's used to doing, like Arif said, simplifying some things to a certain degree for players instead of just trying to fit a square peg into a round hole every week, Sunday after Sunday, but going to be interesting to see what changes are made defensively this offseason, that's for sure. Speaking of offseason, moving on here, we talked about this week on the show, I think it was Monday, that the Vikings have a lot of tough decisions to make with that roster. A lot of core veterans with inflated cap numbers, Thielen 19 mil, Harry 19 mil, Hunter I think is close to 20, free agents, Pat P, Dalvin Tomlinson, Garrett Bradbury, Dalvin Cook we touched on. JJ's contract is imminent. Cousins' decision looming. On top of all that though you're picking late in the draft you've got no second round pick so I kind of understand why fans are a little worried this team won't have the assets maybe the ability to drastically improve this offseason Luke I think you mentioned something interesting that you think the cap is very malleable I'm curious what options or ideas you had in mind as far as what Kwesi could do first and foremost to maybe free up some cap space because we all know the cap is a myth but what's something specific you think Quasey could do or should do, in your opinion, that would give this team some cap relief?
1: Yeah, I, the 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 cap is a myth. Thing has like gone too far. Uh, yeah, um, Are we yeah. Too far this, now? It's just it. way bigger than anybody thinks it is. Yeah, because um, you see that scary number on like Spot well, Tracker over the. It's cap also we make, make the mistake of
3: out. of uh, of thinking AAV
1: contributes to cap it. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, no That's a good point. right,
1: yeah. Um. So. You could do stuff with Adam Thielen or Harrison Smith's contract. Those are older guys, veterans. You could say, you know, we could talk pay cut. We could talk some kind of restructure there. Do something similar, like come to some kind of agreement, like what you did with Anthony Barr a couple years ago, where it kind of reduces that um, for for those older players. There's also players, I think, that are just genuinely cuttable. I think the way that the coaches have talked about Brian Azamoa, Jordan Hicks feels like a very expendable piece. Yeah, but Um, isn't he
0: only like three, four mil?
1: I don't think so. No, I think it's it's significant enough. I CJ okay. okay. Ham is another interesting one. If you don't okay. want to keep doing the fullback thing, you don't have to. He's mm-hmm. a very cuttable piece if you I mean, I don't know. The Vikings have had some interesting success with those 21 personnel plays and they have used it very well as a way to get guys as linebackers onto the field and then pass on them. Um but hey, if you have TJ Hawkinson in the building, if you have another tight end you like or something, you can do that. You could just go get a different fullback for cheaper, find an undrafted rookie or something and get cheaper there that's an option. Um, I talked about the Dalvin Cook thing. I think that's some, at least worth considering. So that's like five different contracts that are either worth restructuring or cutting outright that can save quite a bit of money mm-hmm. and all of it doesn't feel like it makes the roster that much worse. If at all, like if Just, you restructure Thielen's contract, he's still on the roster. You didn't change your roster at all. Going to like, there's no question that's happening.
0: The Absolutely, only
3: impossible yeah. world is the one where his contract stays the same. That's mm-hmm. the yeah. only one I can't envision.
0: Let's just say Adam Thielen, for example, said, I will go to a different team before I take a pay cut. What's the option?
3: Yeah, I hope he brings his Twins jersey with him. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, Fair enough.
0: Yeah. no, hey, good. Bring your clubs. He's going to Miami. going to Florida. Let his, yeah. let his
1: agent negotiate He's trades. That's fine. Yeah. He's yeah. a big golfer oh, now. Get your back. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yep, no, I it's, can see. Arif, and, and
1: no uh, hard feelings on that, yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Arif, any other options or ideas? Not, not that what you think will happen, kind of forecasting, trying to figure out Quasey's tendencies or Brzezinski's tendencies. What would you do, though, And trying to eliminate, I guess, maybe kicking the can down the road at the expense of the cap in 2024 and beyond? Just your general outlook on the Vikings offseason coming up and just the cards they hold as of now.
3: Well, if we're concerned about 2024 cap, I think that you have to extend Zedarius Smith. Yeah. Because right? those void years are going to hit you real hard. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's that's something to consider. I think it comes up in 2024.
1: Luke,
3: Sorry, I think. I don't understand. My uh, Google Home. But it's <laughs> right, Siri made it there. Mall. Yeah. Nope. Uh, they, they do not understand uh, Zedarius. Your brothers listen. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Luke would know probably better than I would on when exactly those void years hit, but I believe it's twenty twenty four. But you know that I think for Zadarius, I can look yeah. that. Out. Um, but I mean, like you need to do things like extend Justin Jefferson sooner rather than later. The longer you wait, the bigger that twenty twenty four hits for him going to be. Um, you don't want to use a fifth year option on him; and that's just going to look really bad for you in terms of cap. Um, but the real question is twenty twenty four: What do you do with Kirk Cousins? Right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because The way that the Vikings kind of approach this, if at the end of the season they weren't happy with Cousins, they actually have the ability to trade him, right? It's kind of, you know, we were all giving grief, uh, I think me included, uh, for extending him. But honestly, that is a very tradable contract. Quarterbacks are more uh, mobile now than they were 10 years ago in terms of the teams that they land on. So it is possible to do that. It's something that they... Would think about, but now it's impossible. Kirk Cousins has done too well in big moments. The uh, team has committed to him in a big way. You're working with humans, not robots. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I it, it is it is tough. But I think that the key is to find the players that you want, extend them, and then figure everything else out around them.
1: Yeah, Darius Smith's contract does not have any void years on it. Who uh, I uh, it Dalvin Tomlinson probably.
3: Oh. 2024. That, um, that I mean, it sounds like that's gonna no. Hurt.
1: That's void year. That voids out this coming off season. So he's a that's pending free hurt. agent. Yeah, that's gonna hurt. Um, and I am very much for just extending yeah, extend him that dude. That has been killer. Yeah, which would reduce the cap hit in all likelihood. Easy. Uh, yeah, easy. For, for at least this World year. Piece. But I will say, Zayaria Smith's contract has very little guarantees on it. A very small roster bonus. It was signed because we didn't know if he was healthy, so it was signed to be like incredibly. uh, mm cuttable Uh, obviously it's a better way to to put it than team friendly but yeah i like that Uh, (laughs) yeah it's like if zadarius smith was a huge bust you could cut him and you'd take 3.3 million dead and that would be it. yeah no that's Um,
0: nice um so
1: also a good candidate to add void years onto that if you wanted to save money it costs less than 10 mil this year though this coming in 2023 which is a pretty crazy deal for a guy playing that well
0: I like these conversations and brainstorming about this because it stresses a lot of fans out just looking at the salary cap and seeing those inflated numbers and things like that. Uh, We got Ron Johnson waiting in the wings. Real quick to wrap up here, Tommy, just final thoughts, off-season plan, uh, something that could ease fans' minds, give them some hope outside of, well, it's going to be year two of the system, so everyone should just improve from, you know, a player evaluation Mm -hmm. standpoint, which is true, but like roster cap-wise or draft-wise, anything come to mind when you think about the Vikings off-season?
2: I was just looking at the Jordan Hicks, contract because it came up so it's 3.5 million cap hit it'd be 6.5 million next year but there's this like out in his contract where it's only one and a half dead cap that felt like that was created as a stop cap right that they'd hope Mm -hmm. osmo would develop and you put a Mm -hmm. younger person in there and i think the other thing is what um feeling has to be to justify like retaining him and, and his status on the team, right? And I still think they probably need a third receiver. I think he's still a red zone target. I do think he's a positive influence on Justin Jefferson and some of the younger receivers. But this decline happened quick. And I don't know if it's simply just knee injury and how defensive it had played him. Like I know, Braun on, on uh, some coverage, you showed how teams have been more physical against him. Um, or it's just simply a product of age, right? As you get into 32, 33, um, sometimes the
0: decline hits quicker than we expect. Hey, coming up, they're all tied at 34 apiece, but who finishes their career with more interceptions? Patrick Peterson or Harrison Smith? Plus, a deep dive into which matchups to watch this Sunday in the Vikings Giants game. But first, the Vikings started the week as three point favorites over the G Men. That line has now dropped to just two and a half. Heavy money coming in on New York from the betting public. The Vikings Giants over under sitting at 48 and a half. Make sure to keep tabs all season long and check those odds out and more with bet online betonline.net fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds lines and games stats news info you want it they got it nfl nba nhl even mma and ufc bet online makes betting easy and is your number one source for all your betting needs go to betonline.net today to learn more that's betonline.net where the game starts. All right, ding dong. Look who's here. Ron Johnson stopping by. Weekly guest on the show. Ron, what's happening? I haven't watched it yet, but I saw you had Peerless Price on your show yesterday. Maybe just to jump out here, what's one or two things that just stuck out to you talking with Peerless Price?
4: Uh well, yeah, Peerless Price is uh, you know, one of my favorite receivers from back in the day when he played with Peyton. So two things that jumped out me right away, Peyton uh with uh Peerless is Peyton, still a great guy. He tells a story about how Peyton uh, did something for his daughter uh, after Tom Brady lost a game. So it's kind of a Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning family inside joke. But Peyton was uh, so happy that Peerless Price had done that towards Brady. Uh, he, he rewarded Peerless' daughter with uh, a gift from himself uh, that she was on Team uh, Peyton and not Team Brady. So uh, that was one good one. And then the other one was just uh, looking at the rankings. You know, when he, when he talked about the top receivers – ever to play football um you know he talked about where randy moss is versus jerry rice then to and then we just kind of talked about like justin jefferson versus antonio brown versus so and so and you know in hall of fame so all of those conversations were kind of great but then you know i didn't realize sam found this he had a walk-off touchdown in ot against the vikings yeah, um, I'm
0: looking at his wiki page. The best game of his career, September 15th, 02. He caught 13 passes for a buck eighty five, two touchdowns, including what you just mentioned, a 48 yard score in overtime during a 45 to 39 victory yeah, over damn. your Minnesota Vikings. So they got locked up twice hilarious. that year.
4: Yeah, so 02, check that out because he talks uh, about why that was a big game for him. Mm-hmm. Um and so, you know, the mindset he had going into that game. So Check it out. It's a, he, he has some good stuff to say about the Minnesota Vikings, about Justin Jefferson. Uh, and then, of course, about DeMar Hamlin. He is a Buffalo Bill. And so, you know, talking about the DeMar Hamlin stuff. So it was it was cool to get him on. So uh, good guy. Loved it. And uh, looking forward. We got I think we got Jacques Green coming up at some point from Florida. Cool. Uh, reached out to Ike Hilliard as well. So going to start to bring some old school receivers back into the mix.
0: Yeah. Can't wait to check that out here after the show. Let's go around the horn per usual. Go ahead, Tom Stryer, then Luke and a reef. Go ahead.
2: There's this kind of trope that it's hard to play the same team back to back or at least within one month. Why is it more difficult to play the the Giants after playing them in week 16 when you've already done all that prep and they probably look kind of similar than if that game had taken place earlier in the year?
4: Uh, nothing. I, I think that's stupid. Uh, I, I look <laughs> at any kind of fight uh boxers that box each other back to back whoever's gonna beat whoever up is gonna beat whoever up uh <laughs> that's just something that people like to say uh coaches say it to kind of you know give a nod to their opponent uh, beating the same opponent twice the only thing that comes from it is the team that won sometimes goes into that game with the mindset of like ah oh, we can beat these guys we've already beat them once i don't think the vikings can do that the vikings have been a team that have been on the cusp of losing 11 games they're 11 and 0 in one score games they could have lost any of those the bears were one and seven in one score games so one to to get out this whole fraud thing if the bears had won eight out of uh eight and went eight in their one score games they'd be in the playoffs right now and would we be saying they're frauds probably not because their quarterback's not kirk cousins so um i I think the vikings just you can't do it you can't like where you're at as a team as a defense with injuries i don't think that whole back-to-back thing is going to affect them because They can't go into a game thinking we've already beat this team, so we should have them set. No, the only thing I think that's going to hurt them a little bit is the Packers found a way to slow down Justin Jefferson. So I think a lot of teams are going to take that into account.
0: Mm, Good point. Luke?
1: Uh, on Crossover Thursday today, I talked to Pat Train of Locked on Giants and she talked about the vibe in the Giants locker room was very calm. That they made a really big effort to kind of say, "Ah, oh, business as usual this week. You know, we're not trying to treat this. You know, we're trying to do what got us here and not treat this like anything special. It feels like the vibe coming out of the Vikings locker room is a lot different, that there's a sort of this is it mentality. And there's this they kind of are, are really treating this like the true king making moment of of the season. I was curious on your thoughts on that if you think one style is better or another or if it's preference and what your preference is? Uh no, cuz when you get to
4: Sunday that's all that matters. I mean if you think back to the to the Broncos when they won the Super Bowl, Peyton Manning didn't practice the entire week and he just put his head, you know, his helmet on in the hot tub on like Wednesday, Thursday because he was trying to rehab his ankle. Um, <laughs> honestly, it doesn't really matter what practice is like. Kevin O'Connell said it. We they've had some great weeks of practice and then got their butt whooped. So I honestly feel like let's wake up Sunday morning. Let's have a good breakfast. Let's watch some film. Let's have a decent lunch, you know, light lunch for the players, heavy lunch for us. They don't have to do anything, but sit on camera and uh, <laughs> talk about football and look good. Um, but I think it's it's going to be, it's going to come down to warmups. Like every week, you know, you go through a whole week of preparation, how you wake up Sunday and how you prepare and how the plays are called. I think that's going to, that's going to be it. And the first team to kind of throw a haymaker so whether it's a deep ball to justin jefferson whether it's a a trick play from kevin o'connell that he's been saving whether it's just when i get in the red zone i'm gonna show you i got a six five tight end i'm gonna just throw it up and watch him treat you like you know lebron james versus anybody else trying to stop him from dunking the ball um that's that's where i look at this team it's it's going to come down to that first haymaker whoever throws that first knockdown punch can the other team react or is that other team going to get the dumps like oh here we go again the best thing about it though is the Vikings know if they're down, they can still come back and win any game, where I don't think the Giants are completely there. Like, the Vikings never put the Giants away. It, I think everybody's confusing some of these games, and the Giants game was not one of them. The Giants game was always close. I think mm-hmm. people thought the Vikings got out to a big start. It wasn't. It was 7-10 to at halftime, and then the Vikings came out and scored uh, in the second half early. So... There's not, you know, I was two field goals, I think. So it's not a lot that happened where you're sitting there thinking like, oh, yeah, this Vikings team blew the Giants out and then let them come back. And No, it was a close game from the get-go. So I don't think the Giants have what it takes to come back like the Vikings do.
3: Uh, so, you know, obviously they've already played once. There's been a lot of discussion about that. But I think just kind of at a, at a base level, the the whether or not you've played a team already once or not, who scares you on the Giants? And if there is anybody, look at the roster, maybe there's not. But if there is anybody that scares you, how do you stop them? Uh, Saquon Barkley. Uh, and you stop
4: him by putting everybody in the gaps that, that you know, wherever you think the play is going. So if you look at that one long run for a touchdown, and Pete Bursage and I broke it down the other night on, uh, on our Fox broadcast, and the biggest issue with that run was, one, there was a zone dog call because they were thinking it was a pass situation. So you blitz Jordan Hicks off the edge. Jordan Hicks is not used to edge contain. And so it was an RPO because the tight end went to the flat. You can see Daniel Jones kind of stick it in Saquon's gut, and he's looking to the tight end. Like, if this DN or linebacker, but this outside rush contain guy comes down, I'm pulling it because I'm going to dump it off. If he comes at us, I'm handing it off because there's no way he can get Saquon going downhill. And Daniel Jones read it perfectly. The only person left to make the tackle in the hole was Cam Bynum, and that's just Cam Bynum versus yeah, Saquon Barkley. I hate to yeah. say it.
2: Mm-hmm. It,
4: it. That's gonna be a tough matchup when he's going full speed downhill, and then you have to decide. And he put one foot in the ground, made him miss, and it was a oh. touchdown. But if Jordan Hicks knows it's run, he's not going towards the quarterback. He's gonna, he's gonna knife under. If they threw that out route to the tight end, I still feel like Daniel Jones makes a mistake and throws it out of bounds. Or the like the play is broken up because the corner and the receiver still we're in the same spot as where the tight end was going to. So I don't know if that receiver was supposed to run a slant and he just tried to like do his little dance like they do. But in RPO, you can't dance on a slant RPO. You kind of got to get up going and go because you got to make it a clean pitcher for the quarterback. And I think those type of things that the Vikings say, Hey, in the RPO, let's let Daniel Jones pull it. Like we want Daniel Jones to throw the ball. We don't want to deal with one guy left because we only have three rushers. And one of our rushers actually went towards the quarterback. So Saquon, one, that's the first one that scares me. So on all those RPOs, run situations, worry about the run. Let Daniel Jones try to beat you with his arm because I don't think he can do it. And then two, uh, on defense, Kayvon Thibodeau. Like with the Blake Brando versus Ole Udo, who knows who's mm-hmm. going to play right tackle. They can move him on both sides. That's a little scary uh, just for the simple fact of if you don't put C.J. Ham in to help or you don't put Irv Smith over there to chip or something like that, it's gonna be a long day for that right tackle. I'm not worried about Christian Derisol versus Kayvon Thibodeau, but on the other side, Blake Brando or Oliudo versus Kayvon Thibodeau is not the matchup you want like five to six times for Kirk Cousins. You wanna give him help. Like I said, whether it is CJ Ham coming in to be your scam back or just your run through his nose back and double team him and say, screw it, somebody else beat us. I think that's that's gonna be the key. Other than that, I don't really, you know, it, it's gonna be what it was before, and that's somebody's gonna to have to make a play.
0: Yeah, great stuff per usual, Ron. Glad you brought that up, too. Going to be interesting. All eyes on whether it is Brandle, what's going on with Garrett Bradbury, is Chris Reed going to get another shot at center? But all eyes on the injury report for sure this week. Uh, Ron Johnson on Twitter, at 3 Ron Johnson. Check him out every day on the Ron Johnson Show, part of the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. And if you haven't already, go check out Ron's latest interview with Peerless Price up on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button, Ron. Pleasure, as always. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the roundtable.
4: Yep, and if you want to get the new hoodie,
0: yeah. meet us at the Mall of America, America on Friday. Yep. We had
4: the yeah. Mall of America in the Rotunda Friday, 6.30 p.m. Unreal is going to have some hoodies for sale. We're going to do a little pregame show, so it should be fun.
0: Love it. Thanks a lot, Ron. We'll talk to you soon, all right? Thank you. Great stuff from Ron Johnson, per usual. All right, guys, let's dive into this week's matchup, Giants Vikes at the Bank. Place is going to be loud, going to be electric. Both teams obviously just saw each other, as Ron mentioned, three weeks ago, which is pretty unique. Don't always see that. Adoree Jackson didn't play the first time around, but Aziz and Leonard Williams did. What's one matchup you're really keen in on this week or interested in and think is going to have a huge factor in the outcome of this game? Tom, let's start with you this time.
2: I mean, I think I'm curious what they do with Daniel Jones. I think part of this is do they get out ahead and make him throw? But if they don't, um, they've had trouble with rushing quarterbacks. And I think part of the issue is, uh, Ron stated this as well. The game wasn't really ever a blowout. It did feel like the Vikings had the Giants at arm's length throughout most of the contest until obviously the very end, you talk about that drive two point conversion and then forcing Greg Joseph to win it with a 61 yard field goal. Um, but I just, I think if if you put yourself in a situation where the, the score is close or the Giants are ahead, um, obviously they're going to far- focus on Barkley, but um is this defense organized enough to know who's accountable for the quarterback? Because one of the worst ways to lose this game, it's never going to be good if you lose a playoff game, uh, but would be have Daniel Jones beat you with his legs.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. Arif, matchup to watch?
3: Yeah, thanks for the matchup,
2: Tom. Daniel Jones versus everybody.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Daniel
1: Jones versus contain.
3: (laughs) The field, really. Yeah. Um, Well, I I guess literally there was a Daniel Jones versus the field moment, wasn't there, right? And he lost. (laughs) Uh, He is not undefeated against true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, No, the matchup for me is Kayvon Thibodeau versus whoever, right? If if it's Ole it's Ole It's Blake Brandel, who recently was activated to practice. I don't know if we know if he's going to play yet. Um, but, you know, Cable Antipodeau versus that guy that is not Brian O'Neill. That what I think is going to help define the matchup a little bit. Obviously, it's always difficult to talk about, you know, an individual defensive lineman versus an individual offensive lineman having an outsized impact on the game, but I think this is a situation where um, if you don't have a plan here, you're probably going to, maybe not lose, but you're going to be on the back foot the entire game trying to get yourself out of that hole.
1: I'll go with the other concerning O-line matchup, which is Garrett Bradbury or Chris Reed, I guess, whatever. happens there. Hey, who knows? Uh, <laughs> I'm not anticipating that <laughs> against Dexter Lawrence, who the Giants, whenever they had him at like a one technique in a like a regular like four, three front, um, they had him shade inside to attack Austin Schlotman more. Um, they really targeted the backup center. And if we have a third string center in or shoot, even if it is Bradbury, who famously struggles with guys like dexter lawrence baked he literally did
3: struggle against dexter lawrence at nc state like yeah
0: oh wow great callback (laughs) wow (laughs) yeah great flash so
1: (laughs) whoever it is um that the giants are probably going to go for that again they're probably going to sort of angle everything to attack that center position again um i'm really curious to see how the vikings approach like pass protection and how often they keep the running back in or a tight end in or something to help out these guys? How how much they chip because the giant? It's like the one area of this game where I feel like the Giants have a distinct advantage. Like their secondary is shaken in its boots. They got Justin Jefferson, and the best thing they have is a hobbled Adoree Jackson. Like Giants fans are worried about that. Um, you know the Giants fans hate their wide receiver core as much as we hate our secondary, but like their D line versus our O line is if the Giants win this game it's they want it there
0: I'm totally with you. Dexter Lawrence may be one of the more underrated defensive players in the NFL just because he plays <laughs> nose tackle. Leads all tackles with 40 pressures from the A-gap, to your point, per Mike Renner, PFF. The next closest guy in second was B.J. Jones with 13. He's got 27 more pressures than the next closest guy. So I think he's one of the highest-graded defenders in the entire league. This year, he was the only defensive tackle to post an 80 or higher grade in both run-stopping. And pass rushing. So yeah, to your point, Luke, knowing you're either going to have a third string center in Chris Reed or a banged up Garrett Bradbury, who's already struggled against those types of guys, knowing full well the one thing that will absolutely ruin Kirk Cousins' day is interior pressure right up the gut. I don't know, finding a way to slow down Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams all day, that's going to be the catalyst to this offense, moving the ball well. That matchup, knowing Kirk doesn't move or slide around that well in the pocket to avoid a lot of that pressure, that worries me quite a bit and something that I'm going to be watching out for Sunday. But before we move on to the last few questions, we got our gambling picks here to wrap up. Luka or Reef, was there anything after watching the All-22 from that specific game, that Giants game a couple weeks ago, you noticed or said, like, the Vikings, man, they really missed out on taking advantage of something right here or something that you hope or expect them to try to do more this time around in this rematch? Like, did you see anything with the way they were covering Justin Jefferson or anything on defense that they should have capitalized on versus the Giants offense? Anything you hope they correct this time around?
3: Uh, I mean, honestly, uh, offensively, I think the Vikings approached this with a pretty good game plan. I mean, the the, the Giants are blitz heavy. They blitzed a fair amount in this game. The mm-hmm. Vikings dumped it off to TJ Hawkinson. He ended up getting like 100 some odd yards. Great game for him. Uh, and then when that wasn't happening, they threw it to Justin Jefferson. So like offensively, I am fine with the way that they approach the game. I think kind of defensively, I mean, you know, Ron made a pretty good point about this RPO thing. Um, defensively, I just think that they needed to play tighter. And I don't mean like they need to play better as in their man coverage needs to be stickier. Obviously, that would be ideal. But rather, um, the the Giants feast off of a short passing game. They absolutely do. Daniel Jones is the lowest depth of target in the league. We saw that in this game. Um, and so they needed to be more comfortable with press and disrupting at the line of scrimmage, something that the Vikings players have the skill set for, but we don't often see the Vikings do
1: it was the worst game. The defense had since moving to this man coverage thing. Yeah. Um, which th- they've only had like five games of it, but still it, seeing your corners get beat up by Richie James and Isaiah Hodgins did not feel great. Like, <laughs> like that was a way feeling that. positive. I don't love <laughs> that. <laughs> That's not a little queasy there. Uh, <laughs> I thought they, I, their offensive game plan. I mean, talking to, uh, pat on crossover thursday she was like yep justin jefferson and tj hawkinson like wrecked us like that was and it was funny because that's like the eighth best justin jefferson game like it felt like <laughs> yeah, a super normal yeah. wow, 120 like, is justin, good. It's like, and funny. they were like goodness like what again like <laughs> It just felt it was pretty normal we weren't even talking about him after we we're talking about tj hawkinson
3: yeah
2: yeah i yeah. guess yeah. jefferson did all right he's fine yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, um it's, it's worth so go ahead
1: no go ahead tom
2: I was going to say with Justin Jefferson, it's worth noting, he had like the wrong cleats, right, in in Green Bay. I understand this is Jairo Alexander. He did a good job on him. and um, But like you had that weird game on that surface. And then like the Chicago game, I, in my mind, you have to throw out. I know that the starters played for the first half. But A, that whole game was a mess. And B, like Justin Jefferson shouldn't have been that involved. Like the worst thing that could have happened is, is he gets hurt. So I guess I'm more inclined to believe like What he did in the past, especially against the Giants, is more relevant than what he's done recently against Green Bay Chicago. Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. I think
3: Mm -hmm. 150 yards is well within reach.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But
2: one thing that the
1: Giants did with Dexter Lawrence kind of shading further inside in those fronts and then Kayvon Thibodeau shading way or like lining up way out at wide nine created these huge, huge, huge bubbles Mm. that the Vikings had a lot of success running into. And they didn't have to lean on that that much because DJ Hawkinson was breaking franchise records. Uh, But there's definitely an opportunity there if you come in and the Giants have found a way to fix one problem. Uh, I wonder if they also found a way to fix the other one.
0: No, a lot of good points there. Hey, let's wrap up with a fun one here. Patrick Peterson and Harrison Smith Both have 34 career interceptions now. Which player ends up with more when their career is done? And do they both retire a Minnesota Vikings? I think it just boils down to who you think plays longer, right? I'm looking it up right now. Harrison Smith is 33. He's about to turn 34. Patrick Peterson is 32 and a half. Plenty of examples, I guess, of elite cornerbacks playing into their mid to late 30s. I think Harry, though, still has two, three rock solid years left. Kind of a tough one. Tom, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I'm inclined to think Harrison Smith will play longer than Patrick Peterson. I understand um the way Arizona treated Peterson was overblown. You talked about the owner sending letters from like the fans saying he's washed. I don't think that's an appropriate way to treat your player and it was disrespectful to Peterson who still plays at wow. a high level. But we've seen <laughs> <laughs> but we've seen um we've seen certain games where he's been outplayed. I think of like Amon Ra's St. Brown, like at one point in the broadcast, they're like he is just beating Patrick Peterson pretty regularly, right? But um so I'm inclined Harrison Smith will play. Longer, um, even if he has fewer opportunities, I guess, to get picks because he's a safety, not a corner. I also know his grades are down, but I'm inclined to think that's how tells using him. You talked about, like, you have this blitzing corner and he's not able to blitz, he's not near the line. I think Harrison Smith will play longer. I think he will have more interceptions, and that's not a slight on Patrick Peterson.
0: Yeah, there's zero part of me that thinks Harrison Smith doesn't retire as a Viking. Pat P, I assume, would finish here, but not quite as confident as here. Arif, what do you think?
3: Uh, so I assume we're excluding one-day contract retirements, right? Oh, so, yeah.
0: Okay, fair. Yeah, because both of
3: them will... Yeah. will. I mean, I guess I don't know with Peterson and the relationship... He's not going he back to so He ain't I going back. I don't, I don't think he's doing a... I don't think he's going to sign see, a one-day contract anyway. I could see one day, I mean, <laughs> yeah. just to get into that ring, yeah. right? Just to get mm-hmm. into the ring of honor. Um, it well, depends on how to, long it is. Yeah. Time heals yeah, all It's true. Um, but I think that... Um, I expect Peterson to play with one more team after he's done with the Vikings. Okay. That's just what I anticipate. I don't know if that's going to be, you know, this upcoming season. The Vikings probably should resign him. Mm-hmm. But um, um, just because there's like a dearth of corners on the roster, um, they're all like first or second year players. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 or first or second year contracts. I think that, um, Harrison Smith is going to stick with the Vikings for a couple more years. I mean, the Vikings have, uh, in the previous regime, made sure to hold on to players a little bit longer if they're veterans. I don't know if this regime wants to do that, but, um, you know, uh, Kevin O'Connell has talked about finding ways to kind of connect um, the Vikings uh, through their their franchise history. And sometimes, you know, all coaches will say something to that effect in its talk, but I don't know. O'Connell seems kind of committed to that idea. And part of that is, you know, creating a through line where your franchise players gets to play out. The thing is, I don't think that's true with Eric Hendricks. That makes me sad, but I do mm. think it's true with Harrison Smith. Yeah,
0: Harrison Smith, 159 career games right now in his resume, Patrick Peterson, 184. So, Luke, what's your quick thoughts on this? Harry or Pat P?
1: Probably Harry. Um, I think safety is just an easier position to play when you start getting older. Yep. Um, it's and- like corner
3: transition to it.
1: Right, yeah. Uh, Unless Patrick Peterson wants to make the safety transition. But if I remember, he's like very against that. Yeah, he he? seems like extremely against that, if I remember correctly. So, hey. You never know what the future holds, but... You, like, you'll see some old not.
0: safeties in the mix, but, like, corner... You know, if you're elite, like, Dion played to 37, Daryl Green played to, like, 41, Champ Bailey they, they, played... Daryl like Green does late. not
3: count. That dude was running four threes at 40 years old. Like, that does not
0: count. <laughs> dude, have you seen the relay match with, like, yeah. four other superstars, and Daryl Green's, like, 40. He just blows them all out of the water. It's insane. Time for the gambling picks. Here's the deal. Sam lost the regular season, so Sunday... Before the game, he'll be performing his loser punishment. Luke's going to be in town. We'll be able to watch it, record some footage, get that up on Twitter. So we're starting a new playoff gambling tournament now. we got to put down a $500 parlay. Could be anything we want, a prop bet, a spread. Here's the deal though, just because we're a little low on time, I haven't researched any of this. It's going to take me a couple minutes to find some sort of parlay that I want to do. I think we should wrap up this show. We'll get these picks posted and emailed to each other, let you guys know what our picks were on Monday's show. What do you guys think about that? Uh,
3: Yeah, that sounds good. One proposal I think that we should parlay one prop and one game pick. I think that should okay. be, we should stick to that rule. I like They that. can be within the same game or different games, but I want to have one prop and one game
0: pick. I like that. I like that. It was so broad and just general and out there that it was going to take me a while to just, there's so many options to choose from. It was going to take me a couple minutes to find something. So, alright, for now, we'll wrap up today. Remember, like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Join us every day for another episode with your 30- to 60-minute breakdown of everything Minnesota Vikings. We're a podcast too, free and available Available, all platforms subscribe drop us that five-star review find us now streaming on your roku or amazon fire stick devices just look out for our locked on sports minnesota app there as well that's the man tom schreier check out all the great work they're doing over there at zonecoverage.com follow them on twitter at T Schreier three Arif Hassan pro football network on Twitter at Arif Hasan NFL. Luke Braun, check out his postcast immediately following the Vikings Giants game this Sunday. He's on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. We're back Monday with another episode of the football party, part of the lockdown sports, Minnesota network for Tommy Arif, the two Lukes until Monday. Enjoy the game. Skull Vikes. Signing out.